You've already left your abusive and narcissistic partner, and yet you still have to have contact with them because you share children with them. And these communications via text or email can derail your entire day, especially if you're not sure what they're gonna come up with this time or how to respond. I am here to help. Download this new and updated roadmap for communicating with your narcissistic ex by going to www.risingbeyondpc.com slash free or go to the link in my show notes so that you can respond to these communications with confidence. Welcome to the Rising Beyond podcast, where you can find hope and healing after a toxic or abusive relationship. I'm Sybil Cummin, a licensed professional counselor specializing in working with victims and survivors of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse, including the youngest witnesses. Over the past decade, I have been honored to witness victims move to survivors and then to thriving in their lives. If you feel alone in your healing process, are dealing with the onslaught of post-separation abuse, or just needing some validation that you are not crazy, you are in the right place. So, you finally escaped your abusive relationship, and your only goal is the safety of yourself and your children, only to find out that there's this whole other thing on the other side called post-separation abuse. Why the F didn't anyone clue you in on what happens after you've left an abusive relationship? Why didn't anyone let you know? They said, you know, leave him, you'll be better off. Think of the children, you'll be safe once you've left. And nobody thought to tell you that you are in for something completely different. And you're worried now that your children are no longer safe, even though you knew they weren't really safe before, but now there's no buffer. There's no you if they're visiting their other parent without you present. And so probably all you're doing is worrying about your kids. And you also need to worry about your healing. And you need to worry about how to set boundaries. And you need to worry about who am I now that I have left this relationship? Because you know that that identity has been stripped away and demolished in the process of this relationship. Where the heck is the roadmap to help me through this healing process and this post-separation abuse? So, you know, complete cutoff is ideal when there's been domestic violence or narcissistic abuse. And this isn't typically a reality if you have children with your abuser. And in fact, you likely will have court orders forcing you to have contact with your abuser, have communication. You're going to have to, quote unquote, co-parent. And this just makes the healing process that much more difficult. So really one of the best places to start in figuring out this whole post-separation abuse thing, if you have children, is really learning how can I effectively communicate with my ex and stay sane 
at the same time. That may seem like not even doable. You might think, uh, Sybil, that is this rainbows and butterfly world. And it's not. It may feel that way in the beginning. And if you are already partway through and you've been trying to communicate with your ex about parenting and all the things, you are probably exhausted. You are probably anxious very often and overwhelmed and just heightened sense of when am I going to get that next email notification? When am I going to get that text notification that they've texted me? It's really hard to regulate yourself and focus on healing when you're constantly hypervigilant about the next email communication. So today, we are going to go through some tips on how you can more effectively communicate with your abusive ex. One thing I really recommend is one of the communication apps. So this is something like Talking Parents or My Family Wizard. I am sure there are many more. Those are just the two that are most typically used in my area of the country. But to get on board with one of those is really helpful. And here's why. Is that the court then will get the entire record without editing. Pieces of your emails and texts are not going to be pulled out and used completely out of context. Will their attorney use things out of context still? Absolutely. Yes, you can bet on that. And this is one way to help with that. So here we go. Here's some tips on specifically email or text communication with your ex. So the first one is maybe the most important. I don't know, they're all pretty important, but this one is going to be extremely important and that is to slow everything down. This is easier said than done, but this is going to allow you time to regulate your nervous system, to look at the email in a way that you can pick out the important information and get rid of the extra, get rid of the distractions. And so when you get that notification, your gut goes up into your throat, you're going to take a deep breath. And if it's a good time to read that email, you're going to open it. If it's not a good time to read that email, you're not going to open it. So something that's really helpful for a lot of the women I work with is to set a specific time that you are going to open, read, and respond to these emails. So one note is if you do have any court orders about length of time in which you have to give a response, you clearly need to make sure that your plan is within those parameters. So if you have 48 hours to provide a response, guess what? You got to do it within 48 hours. But if you do not have to do it immediately, and most things you don't have to do immediately, you can take some time. You can read it and feel triggered and step away. You know he's going to trigger you. He is going to say things just to poke the bear. And you can step away 
and do something that's going to help regulate you. So maybe you need to take a walk. Maybe you need to contact a safe person. Maybe you need to just dim the lights, put on some music to calm yourself down. Maybe you need to grab some some tea, whatever it might be. Slowing yourself down is going to prevent you from reacting in that trauma response or trauma reaction to the email and sending something that you would be mortified if it were read in court and giving them more ammunition for later. So when you get the email, you have designated your time, you open that email, you're going to listen or I guess read carefully. Before you start to type or text back, take a minute. Are you feeling extremely anxious? What trigger did they push? Are you angry? If you're dysregulated, take a minute and take some deep breaths and do not respond back in that email. You're going to open like a Google Doc or you might open a journal if you like to write by hand, and you may respond. And then you're going to reread it. And based on the other tips I'm going to share with you, then you can decide to copy and paste in that email and hit send. So second tip is really focusing on staying on topic. So if you think about why you were ordered to remain in communication with your narcissistic ex, it is likely because of your children. So if there's anything in that email that your ex sent you that has nothing to do with the children, you do not need to respond to that. If you receive an email full of word salad, it may take you a minute, but you're going to have to pick through that word salad to see if there's anything you actually need to respond to. So what is word salad? So it's actually misused when we're talking about narcissism and other cluster B personality disorders, and it is slang and everyone's using it. So I'm going to explain it to you. So it's typically a term used for psychosis or diagnoses like schizophrenia, which is involuntary speech patterns. That's like random words and phrases that are linked together. And it is usually completely unintelligible. And so the difference, although you may think that is what it is like for your ex, when your ex uses word salad, it is purposeful and willful. It is used to confuse you and to get you off balance and to be distracted from what is really going on. So if you open up that email and it is word salad... Take a minute, take a breath, and start to read between the lines. You know, you know your ex better than the judge, better than the attorneys, really better than anyone. So you will know most likely if there's an ulterior motive, any strings attached, and you'll probably be able to decipher what the goal of this communication exchange is. Is he making himself look good because court is coming up in the next couple weeks? Or is he trying to rile you up so that you look like a crazy person? What is the motivation and the intention in the email? 
after you've decided on the motive, after you've decided what specifically you need to respond to, take that deep breath and you can start to respond. And maybe you're thinking, sure, but what the F am I going to say? So I want you to use a couple of things. So one is the acronym BIFF, B-I-F-F. Now, I believe and absolutely could be wrong, but I believe this was a term developed by the High Conflict Institute. But what BIFF is, is it gives you a framework for how to respond. So BIFF stands for brief, informative, friendly, and firm. And usually when I put friendly in there, you want to gag. And I totally get that. You can vomit in your mouth and still you need to do this, which we're going to explain later. So your responses really need to be brief and to the point. Give information only. They do not need to know how you feel about anything. In fact, they don't deserve to know how you feel about anything. They've lost that opportunity the minute they were abusive. You do need to be friendly, and we're going to talk about what I call speckled rock in a minute, and then it needs to be firm. The boundary you set needs to be firm. And so I'm going to pair that with speckled rock, the speckled rock technique, so that you can understand what I'm talking about with being friendly and firm. So If you have been searching for ways to part with an abusive person or a narcissist, you've likely heard the term gray rock. So that term refers to communicating in a way that makes you as exciting as any old gray rock. So not exciting at all, like the opposite of exciting. So if you have children with your ex and you are within the court system and the family court system, this can harm you and harm your children. If you solely use gray rock with your ex, then you will likely be determined, quote, unfriendly, quote, in the court system, which that's a whole nother episode that I need to do on what that looks like. But basically, they're going to think that you are unable to co-parent and you will not be cooperative, which looks really bad in family court. So I use the term speckled rock to explain you're just going to have little speckles here and there of niceness or friendliness. Um, You may have heard the term yellow rock by Tina Swithin. She's the author of Divorcing a Narcissist. She's awesome. Great resources. She has uh, One Mom's Battle is her company and website. However, in Colorado, if I were to see a yellow rock, that would be so extremely interesting because it would be gold. So when I was thinking about speckled rock before I heard about yellow rock um, and I heard about yellow rock, I was thinking, well, shoot, if I saw a yellow rock, that would be way too exciting to use. So that's why I use the term speckled rock. They are the same thing. You are going to add some niceties to your email so that things look friendly and cooperative as much as possible. So I'm going to give you an example so that you can see the difference. So you get that notification, ding, and your anxiety spikes, but it's a good time and you open the email and your ex 
has asked if you can change or switch your weekends with the kids because they have a work trip coming up. So can we switch the next two weekends? Now, that sounds like a pretty decent request. However, you know that the next weekend, they don't have school on that Friday, which means in the court order that he can pick them up that Friday morning. And so he's going to get an extra day with your kiddos that he wouldn't have had. And recently, he wouldn't switch with you for some random reason when maybe your parent was in the hospital having surgery or something like that. So you are furious that he had the audacity to ask this. So the gray rock answer is no, send. That will not look well for you in court. So here is a speckled rock example. I wish that we were in a place to work collaboratively as co-parents to negotiate decisions like this. And unfortunately, we are not there right now. I intend to follow the court orders as written by so-and-so judge on such-and-such date. Period. Warmly. Sybil. Send. So that may seem really gross to you. And it may seem scary because you are having some confrontation or you are being firm. You are giving the information for your answer of no. And you're using the judge's orders. So there's niceness. It sounds like you actually listened to the request. You thought about it, made your decision. Is your ex going to like this? No. No, they're not. They're going to hate this. And you are going to feel good about what you sent. Are you maybe going to get the onslaught of emails or texts after that response? Sure. And you don't have to respond to them. It is most likely that they will just be about how horrible of a co-parent you are and all the things, but you do not have to defend yourself in these emails if it is you setting a boundary and your ex didn't like it. So another tip is I want you to write these emails as if the judge is always CC'd on them. That way you feel good and you're not going to be surprised when you head into court and some email that you sent because you were angry and you were overwhelmed with work and school and all these things and you just didn't take the time to slow down and respond. So you reacted and then it's coming up in court and you are extremely anxious. So this can help prevent you from doing that. So I don't know what number tip we're on right now, but maybe the other most important tip that I can give you is maintaining realistic expectations. So there will be times where there are long period of times of relief from abuse, communication-wise, in email. Sometimes there's calm for months at a time. You're likely still a little anxious because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And you still always need to respond to the emails the way I have suggested in this episode because they will likely not change. Maybe your ex has new supply. So someone else who is stroking their ego, 
making them feel good, or maybe they even have conflict elsewhere. And so you're kind of low on the totem pole of attention. Hallelujah when that happens. And if that supply goes away, you're a really good, easy source for them. Maybe the first place they're going to come when they need their you know, supply met. And so if you are very consistent with slowing things down, looking between the weeds to find the information you actually have to respond to and using those brief, informative, friendly, and firm responses, you'll be good. So no matter where your ex is in their need of your supply, this is going to help prevent you from thinking, wow, maybe they've changed. And that's kind of a sad, pessimistic way to look at it. And it's what I've seen over the last decade of change. So the last tip I'm going to share with you is about empathy. You are likely a very empathic, sensitive, compassionate person. It's one of the things that made you a great target for abuse. And I want you to throw that empathy out the window. Doesn't that sound awful? I'm a therapist, Like, we should have empathy for others. Nope, not in this instance. And why is that? This is because it is often the number one hook for getting engaged in whatever discussion, feeling sorry for them, whatever it might be, for you to make your boundaries less firm and to kind of allow yourself to get walked over. And so I actually need you to turn your humanness off a little bit when you're responding or initiating contact via email. You're going to have an easier time if it is business-like with very low levels of empathy. And guess what? Apart from keeping your children safe and your child's well-being, You have no responsibility for the well-being of your ex. I am going to say that again. You have no responsibility for the well-being of your ex. So if they are playing the victim card, they're talking about their mental health, whatever it might be, they lost the option of your support when they were abusive. And so... They don't get your empathy any longer. And that might be really difficult for you. And so if that is, that is such a good, um, rich subject to talk about in a support group or with your therapist. Because it can be really hard if for a decade you've solely focused on the well-being of your partner and not yourself. So this might be a lot more difficult than you might think. So if you would like like a hard copy of these tips, go to the show notes and I have a link to your roadmap for communicating with a narcissistic ex. It's in there for you. Please print it out. Do what you need. Tape it up to your wall, right by your computer, whatever you need so that you can keep these tips in mind. And if you think that this would be helpful for a friend, a coworker, maybe your attorney, go ahead and share this podcast with them. I'd be so grateful. I want the word to spread. And 
if you felt like this was helpful, I'd also really appreciate a review. So I'm signing off today and I will see you the next episode. If you're healing from relationship abuse and are looking for support and sisterhood during this journey, I'd love to invite you to the Rising Beyond community where you will get expert guidance, connection with others going through similar experiences, and a safe place where you'll always feel seen, heard, and believed. To learn more and to join, go to www.risingbeyondpc.com. We'd love to be a part of your healing journey.